Hi, my name is Erin Kinzel, and I think personal growth sucks, but I also can't stop pursuing it, and it's produced some amazing results in my relationships, my career, my emotional and physical health, and basically every other area of my life. So the truth is that I don't always think it sucks, I just don't like the uncomfortable, scary, and awkward parts. On this podcast, I invite you to join me and my friends as we talk about personal growth, the hard parts, how we're leaning in despite how awful it can be, what we're learning, and most importantly, how we're moving forward. We'll share the resources and tools that are helping us, and you'll get to listen in as we encourage each other and hopefully encourage you too along the way. Thanks for joining me today. Hey everyone, welcome to episode seven in season one of the Personal Growth Sucks podcast, which is all about how we are designed to get our fuel for life from relationships. No matter where you are starting out today, whether you're feeling on top of the world or if you are struggling, I hope today's episode will encourage you in your journey. On this episode, I'm excited to welcome Madeline Spring as my guest. She is co-director of my Townsend Leadership Group and the personal coach for my husband, Mike. She joins me for a conversation about how to know who in your life is safe to go to for relational guidance. We also talk about family of origin relationships, which can get kind of messy sometimes, as well as the concept of building a life team. Madeline is a licensed therapist and founder of Undaunted Leadership. I'll put a link to her website in the show notes. Don't forget that I'm now offering one-on-one coaching. Working with a coach is the best investment I've ever made in unlocking my potential through personal growth. If you are interested in furthering your own growth journey, I encourage you to work with a coach who can serve as a guide and a support. Learn more about working with me at personalgrowthsucks.com. A reminder, if you are tuning into the podcast for the first time and are wondering what in the world relational nutrients are, you can check out episode one with my friend Jen, where we gave an overview of what they are and why they are important. I'm so glad you've joined me today. Let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with Madeline. Well, I'm really excited to welcome Madeline Spring to the podcast. Hi, Madeline. Hey, Erin. I'm so excited to be joining you today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Madeline uh, is a coach and a therapist, and you can find out more about her undaunted leadership coaching online. And I'll put a a link to your website in the show notes. Um, What is your website though? Just verbally so people have it. Yeah. It is undaunted, U-N-D-A-U-N-T-E-D dash leadership.com. All right. Awesome. And you also are one of the co-directors of my Townsend Leadership Program group. And so I've had the pleasure of getting to know you in the past uh, year and a half, two years. And you also are um, the coach for my husband, Mike. Who yes, says hello to you, by the way? <laughs> oh, <Mike>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's really um, fun to have you on. And of course, this season of the podcast, we're talking all about relational nutrients, which yeah. you know a lot about. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I've I've had uh, a lot of different tops of topics of conversation around this. And today we're primarily going to be talking about safe people. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Before we really get to that, I, I just want to have part of a conversation about why the nutrients work, because I don't mm-hmm. know if I've really hit the nail on the head on that mm-hmm. in the past episodes. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like, like when I first heard about relational nutrients, it was like, really, <laughs> like really just mm-hmm. saying to someone, Hey, I need you to tell me that everything's going to be okay. That yeah. actually does something. And so I wonder Mm -hmm. if you could speak to that. Yeah. And having the right nutrients, right? Like not Mm -hmm. just even connecting with people, but getting those specific nutrients you're needing makes all the difference. Yeah. I think about, um, as you're sharing that, I'm, I'm thinking of times when I've, you know, I'm overwhelmed with work or I've lost it with my kids or something. And I, and I call one of my safest people's one of my sisters, um, and I'll call her and just, knowing that she's in it with me. Like she doesn't offer any advice. She doesn't give any kind of solutions. There's really not even much hope given, but just kind of feeling with me like, Oh, this sucks. It feels hard. Um, is, is enough to then, okay, now I can move on. Um, you know, and so, yeah, the nutrients are all about, um, so kind of you're, you're asking why do we need them or like the case for them? What, you know, why are they necessary? Yeah. Right. And so, Yeah. Um, so like, if you think about Brene Brown's work, which most of your, your listeners are probably familiar with, we're, we're wired for connection, mm-hmm. hard wired for connection. So, um, beyond, and I would even say, um, equal to our need for food and water and shelter would be our need for human connection. You see babies, um, with all of the n- nutrients physically that they need to survive, not thriving when they don't have the relational connection, the caregiver that's warm and attentive to their needs. Um, And that doesn't go away just because we're super dependent then as newborns doesn't mean that that ever really goes away. Um, And so we can kind of build a tougher skin or try to get by on our own, but really the best way to live is connected in relationship and getting your needs met. It, it really, um, it's what gives you the fuel to then go on and do the hard things, you know, um, to have that kind of safe landing where somebody's with you in your corner, feeling with you, holding it with you, helping you process grief and anger and all the things. Yeah. And it is something I've often been surprised at how I'm able then to solve my own problems Mm -hmm. when I get the nutrients. So I truly don't need someone to fix it, which I think is what that kind of the model I had growing up or I came into adulthood with that Mm -hmm. um, is if someone's telling me about their problems, it's because they need advice or they don't know how Mm -hmm. to get out of it themselves when really Mm -hmm. that's not the case. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And often the reason that we're jumping in to try to solve problems for people, we, we think it's out of our own goodwill and good nature, but really it's usually to make ourselves feel more comfortable. Like, Ooh, your sadness is upsetting to me, or your anger is upsetting to me, or your grief is upsetting to me. So let me wrap it up in a bow and make you feel better. That way we'll all feel better. Right. Um, And so it's really often more about our own discomfort with pain or sadness or anger um, that we're trying to just fix it anyway. It's usually not actually for the other person. Right. That's so true because it makes us Mm -hmm. pause and have to kind of confront that in ourselves sometimes. Yeah. yeah, that's so good. And it's, I think, helpful to to return back to that basic connection point of why they're so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I didn't really have. I didn't have skills around this coming into adulthood, mm-hmm. really until I was in my early 40s. Yeah. 
And so that's yeah. why I think I've made the whole first season of the podcast about this because I just want, mm-hmm. I want to share what I know with as many people as possible and hopefully Absolutely. help them. So one thing yeah. that, um, you know, we're going to talk about today uh, are safe people or one thing mm-hmm. is safe people. I don't know. Sometimes being grammatically <laughs> correct when you're speaking <laughs> is a hard thing. <laughs> um, before we jump into that, I, I want to get kind of a definition of what is it when we say a safe person, mm-hmm. I think you and I have intuitively, we know what yeah. that means, but yeah. can you help us define that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So to me, a safe person, um, first and foremost, is going to be somebody who's not going to judge you, um, that you're going to be able to bring anything to, and they can simply accept you right where you're at. Um, so it's not saying that anything you're doing is condonable or things like that, but what we're saying is that they are able to join with us, um, without judgment, seeing that we're broken or angry or whatever that is and be okay with those broken parts. Um, of us. So acceptance, I think, is kind of the primary um, thing with safe people. But then you kind of get into it. And it's like, you also want somebody who's not going to try to fix it, um, you know, who can kind of just sit with you. Um, maybe somebody who's also able to hear um, what you're needing and not be offended that, oh, like, well, actually, okay, so if I see you giving me advice, I think what I really need is for you to just listen. Um, somebody who's not going to be, you know, butthurt over that and be able to be like, <laughs> oh, okay, I missed it. Um, let me give that to you. Um, so somebody who can kind of um, hear what you're needing and, and meet you in that place. Um, so yeah, definitely it comes through uh, a lot of conversations, a lot of like back and forth, right, of building up to the safety where you can really bear all with the person, you know, we've got kind of levels of safety, levels mm-hmm. of connection. Um, as we work toward, but yeah. So for me, for me, I think that, that the definition of a safe person is somebody I can bring anything to that they're accepting of me. Um, and that they're going to be open to providing what I ask for, what I need relationally. Right. And I think too, something that I might add to that is someone who doesn't get caught up in their own stuff with, as you're sharing your stuff, I think Mm -hmm. that can be especially hard with spouses. Um, yes. Or with family of origin, maybe, mm-hmm. or, you know, some other really close relationships who I think we often yeah. think like, oh, clearly those are our people and they mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. but we also need people outside of them mm-hmm. because sometimes it's hard to separate all that yes. stuff, oh, all the day-to-day stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because the people that you're living with it, that are safe in a lot of regards. And maybe they're safe when you want to, maybe your spouse is safe when you're processing feelings about your mother-in-law. Um, but your spouse <laughs> might not be safe when you're processing feelings about them or about the kids because they've got other dynamics involved in that. So yeah, absolutely. It's so important to have people outside of just um, those closest you know, to you that live with you and those sorts of things, because they can kind of have a more objective stance, right? They don't yes. need so much from you in that same regard. Yeah. Cause sometimes the things that I need to process about are, you know, if I'm processing something about parenting and I'm trying to do that with Mike, then, you know, sometimes it gets all wrapped up in he, he like, he's not able to listen without judgment, sure. yeah. um, which isn't saying that he's a judgy person, but sure. it's like, he's not able to listen without having an opinion about it absolutely, or yeah. needing to process his own feelings. It can get really sticky sometimes. Right. You're tripping on his stuff. um, And also what you're processing will impact him if it's, you know, related to the kids and it's in the home. So, 
for sure. It's very difficult to kind of stay separate and be that sounding board for somebody when you're, you also have a dog in that fight. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, one thing in talking about, um, safe people, I'm really curious Mm -hmm. if, if we could talk about some examples of what it might sound like to get safe responses versus Mm -hmm. unsafe responses. So maybe if someone is listening and they are thinking, well, I'm not really sure if this person in my life is safe, Mm -hmm. are there any Mm -hmm. red flags or any things that like, well, if they're always saying this, Mm -hmm. then maybe, you know, right. Yeah. The first one that comes to my mind is that classic Brene Brown video. If they're always saying at least, Uh (laughs) at least, at least this person, at least this is going well in your life. If, or at least, you know, you can look forward to this thing or um, whatever. That's, that's, that's somebody who's not comfortable sitting in what you're feeling. Um, so those at least statements, certainly people who are always giving advice. Um, it's so funny. I have a, a person that was, it makes me think of a, a group that I was in many years ago, um, actually when I was learning about all of this relational nutrient stuff and getting needs met. And my one friend, God bless her, I called and I was like, everything's terrible. And I just lost my temper on my kid and my husband and I are fighting and, you know, my just have my toe, who knows, like I'm going on and on and I'm crying. And she's like, okay, well, here's the thing. Um, this is like a spiritual battle. This is not a worldly battle and this, and, um, and your toes going to recover and you're going to be just fine. And your daughter's doing great in school. So it's not all bad. And like, so it's like, I was just like, by the end of it, I'm literally laughing. Like, this is not what I needed. (laughs) Never mind. I'm calling someone else. Thank you for Um, invalidating all of my feelings in this moment. (laughs) So any of the, any of those, um, and so not even to say that any of those are wrong, right? My toe is going to heal. My kid is, isn't all bad. That's, I mean, like logically it's accurate. Right. Um, and not helpful in the slightest, um, what I really needed was, gosh, Madeline, that feels so hard. I'm so glad you called. Let me hold this with you. You know, um, so that would be that's an example of how not to respond. Those kind of like unsafe or not helpful responses right. versus helpful. Right. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think I struggled with and listeners might be struggling with is feeling selfish or so if someone mm-hmm. makes us feel like we're being oh, yeah. selfish for bringing up our needs, uh, that can be really hard if you're a people pleaser yeah. or if you've been yeah. taught that like you just don't talk about emotions. Yeah. Um, and so it's not selfish to to yeah. bring these things selfish, up. Selfish, needy. Like I'm I'm weak. I feel needy and weak if I ask for help. Um, with these kinds of like having these kinds of needs. Um, yeah, those are two big ones that come up that keep us from reaching out. Or it's not that big of a deal. Other people are mm-hmm. dealing with things too, right? There's so many right. barriers. Right. There um, are people in the and, world who have it worse than you do. Yes. Yeah. And so <laughs> what does not that helpful. sound like, right? That's clearly a parent voice at yeah. some point telling you yes. your needs aren't valid. That's not a valid request, you know? And so um, I would encourage your listen- listeners to get curious about those things that would keep them from asking. Mm-hmm. Um, like, hmm, like instead of kind of judging it or... Um, or even validating it instead getting curious, like, why might I feel like this is too much to ask? Or why might I feel like I shouldn't have this need, or it's not big enough of a deal? You know, maybe Mm -hmm. who told me that before in my life, or who made me feel that way? Right. 
Right. And also, you know, beyond trying to think of actual things that people say, it is important to think about your feelings. So if Mm -hmm. you do just feel invalidated by a person over and over again, then, you know, maybe even despite what they're saying to you verbally, Mm -hmm. if that's the feeling you get, then, you know, maybe that's just not a good person to share with. Mm Yeah, yeah. Um, And and I love that you brought that up because too, uh, different people can serve different nutrients too. mm, You know, I've got one of my sisters. I'm like, that's who I'm going to go to if I need like the quadrant one. I don't know if you've gone through the quadrants yet. Um, If you go through the acceptance, yeah, those, that quadrant one, I've got, you know, a couple of friends and a sister who are great at that being present with me, feeling with me. I also sometimes just need kicked in the butt, like, and motivated to do something. (laughs) Right. Uh And I just need encouragement. And I've got another sister who is just my biggest cheerleader. So if I call her and I'm having a bad day, she's like, Oh my gosh, Madeline, you've totally got this. You you're killing it. You're doing all these things so well. And I'm like, okay, that gives me enough fuel to keep going. I can get through the rest of these, you know, four hours of my work day or whatever it is. And so um, kind of being aware of who in your life, and, and this kind of speaks to what you're saying too, about like going to your spouse or going to a family member, um, knowing who's gonna be able to meet which of your needs. Um, and you'll get you'll get good at figuring that out because you'll call people that you know, maybe you call your mom to do quadrant one stuff and she goes straight to quadrant three and is trying to kind of mm-hmm. give you advice or solve your problem with you. You're like, mm, nope, I'll call you in quadrant three. <laughs> that's not what <laughs> right. Call quadrant one. right. That's not where we are right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So different people have different strengths. I think, I think we should use those. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And sometimes, well, something that I found is over time, I know that someone is a safe person if they can tell me no. And if they can Mm -hmm, tell me I'm not available right now, or Mm -hmm. you're really important to me. I really want to be there for you. I've got my own stuff going on right now. Mm -hmm. Can I, can we talk tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And, and I've been surprised at how good that actually feels to have someone tell me no, but it's because it just gives me assurance that I'm not taking advantage of them or that they yeah. really are. This is coming from their heart. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. So it makes you feel like it's not, um, I'm not going to be burdening them with a need. They won't be burdened. They'll tell me no, if they can't meet that right. need. Right. So for you, if I feel like a burden would be a hindrance to reaching out, certainly that would be so helpful to know, oh, they're going to set boundaries and take care of themselves actually. Right. So I think something else that, um, keeps me from absorbing nutrients sometimes is feeling like, oh, they're just feeling sorry for me or Mm -hmm. they feel obligated. um, Some of those Mm -hmm. kind of messages. So knowing that they can say no, it really does give me confidence when they're giving me nutrients. Yes. Yeah. Which is a huge piece to finding your safe people, right? They have to be people who are not going to sacrifice themselves for you. Cause that would lead to burnout, resentment, um, you know, you feeling bad or not getting your need met well, like all of those things. So absolutely right. your safe people need to be able to say no when they can't. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I want to point out too, that sometimes with, um, with my safe people, with my friends, there are seasons that we've gone through where I tend to be needier, you know, I'm reaching mm-hmm. out a lot for nutrients yes. mm-hmm. and they're giving me a lot. And then there are times when it's reverse. And so there is, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think, especially in friendships, 
it needs to be of a feeling mm-hmm. that there's it's reciprocal. Would you yes. say that? Absolutely. And I think it's beautiful how that happens. I've definitely been in seasons of both where I'm more of a giver and more of a receiver. Um, and I, I think it's beautiful. I, I think it's beautiful. I'm thinking of a friend who um, has called me numerous times. She's part of my life team um, in the past few months, um, going through a, a huge um, kind of family trauma, really, that she's working through. And she'll literally call and say, I have nothing to give. I'm sorry, I want to ask how you are, but I don't have time. I really need this, though. Can you do this? Can you, mm-hmm. you know, hold this with me? Can you help me sort this out? Can you help me hold this boundary? Um, you know, whatever it is. And I love it because she doesn't have it to give. And I do, and, you know, and if I didn't, I would say, sorry, I can't right now or whatever. And mm-hmm. she's got other people too, which, which is another huge piece, right? Having enough people that it's not falling right. on one, but, um, but yeah, I think it's beautiful that in this season, she's able to just be unapologetically needy because <laughs> it's just true. It's just where she is. Right. And we just, we have seasons mm-hmm. like that and it should, yeah the relational nutrients that we give to others should come from our overflow. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is not, I mean, we've said this already, but it's not selfish to make sure that we are filled up first. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That can be a a hard thing sometimes in the church, especially like to, to really, if you've grown up in the church Mm -hmm. feeling like it's always, um, my job to give to others, Mm -hmm. but realizing Mm -hmm. that that is there are boundaries around that. It's okay to put boundaries Mm -hmm. on that absolutely, and to know that I can give, I I should be giving out of my overflow. Yes. Yeah. And we don't model that well in the church and we don't always model that well in families either, you know? Um, And so I think that's a really important point to make. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, Mm. one thing speaking of, families. I'm one thing I want to talk about is, um, you know, we've, we've mentioned family of origin, which really means uh-huh. like your, your mom, your dad, your, mm-hmm. your kind of original, um, who was yeah. in your original household growing up. Yeah. And yeah. as much as we want them to always be the safe people <laughs> in our lives, sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you've seen that a lot as a therapist where there's, mm-hmm frustration or grief that family of origin, actually, those are not safe relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, that's really healthy. Um, There needs to be that healthy separation that happens. Um, So there's that initial separation kind of developmentally. Um, There's this initial separation that happens as a toddler begins to develop their own will and develop their own agency. They, They kind of toddle away from mom and they play with am I okay? You know, like uh, they'll look back and, and kind of play with that distance and separateness. Um, that's also that phase where the toddler begins to have a will of their own, right? Yes. So, terrible too. Um, when they're fave, <laughs> right. When they're, which I hate because it's so important, but that phrase, but, um, but it's true. Like they become exhausting because they have their own will and they can say no. And that's actually really powerful them to, for them to do. Not that they, um, not that we, you know, cater to that now and allow them to disobey, but they get to choose, right? They get to choose this mm-hmm. and they have this consequence. They get to choose this and this happens. Um, but the next, um, the next really crucial part where that happens is when the adolescent becomes an adult and moves away from home. Um, they, they separate, um, if all goes well, uh, developmentally, they need to separate. They, and, and often that comes with anger. 
Um, and, uh, you know, anger is the number one thing that helps us to separate, unfortunately. Um, and so, I, yes, I've helped many, many clients um, work through that process of allowing themselves to get angry. Um, or, and sometimes it's not anger. Often it is. Sometimes it's just figuring out ways that they're different. How am I different than mom and dad? What are, how are my beliefs different or my values different? I get to own my own life as an adult. Um, in order for that to happen, there has to be a period of separation. And that's why adolescence is so hard, right? Because they're becoming, mm-hmm. they're emerging into their own little adult humans um, and are different than parents. And parents you know, where we need to, if it's developmentally appropriately appropriate to let go. But for some reason, it's so hard for us. We want to keep them small and confined (laughs) and the same as us, right? Because we know that we understand. Um, And so, so that, that separation that should happen in adolescence often doesn't, or doesn't fully happen. And so then you're working through it in college or beyond Um, in marriage. That's a kind of a new layer of separation, right? Mm -hmm. When now you're navigating your family of origin with your new family. And so there's all these layers and layers of figuring out, you know, how am I like, how am I separate and really moving into that adult mutual stance with, with parents. Um, and so that's why I say it's actually appropriate and necessary. Um, I remember being in grad school and um, doing, you know, in grad school, you basically are paying for really expensive therapy that you're in for four years. <laughs> um, and so there's all of these reflection papers. And I remember starting grad school and all my papers were like, la-ti-da, great Christian family home growing up. And by the end, I'm like, they're the worst. They traumatized <laughs> me and everything was bad. Um, and so, you know, there's that pendulum swing where it's like, it, it, you know, just like when you develop boundaries, suddenly ever you become Oprah with the cars and everybody gets a boundary. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. That way with separation too, like they're all good and then they're all bad. And then there's that beautiful integration that happens as you kind of land in the middle there. Um, and so uh, with, yeah, I, I think even with my parents, um, we've kind of landed back there where they are safe again for some things, but there was a period of years where they are not who I went to um, for, you know, relational nutrients, because they just, they weren't the right people um, to be meeting those needs in that season. It was necessary for me to separate, become my own. Um, and even now there's things that as, as, as close as I am with my parents, there's definitely things that I'm not calling them for, for my relational nutrients. They wouldn't be the appropriate people to give to me. Um, and and kind of like what you were saying with your husband, right? It's, they're not unbiased, right? Right. So when yeah. I call my mom and I'm venting about my like how hard it is to be a parent, she's like, "Well, you guys all turned out fine, and I did it." I'm like, "Okay, well, that's not helpful." Um, now you're just taking responsibility, like ownership of my success. Like it just feels icky. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, there are certain things that you go to um, for family of origin, certain things you don't, and, and it is kind of a dance of figuring out what's appropriate and when, especially if that's been such a close relationship for you. Um, it can be hard to not go to those people who that's who you really want to be able to meet the need. Yeah. Um, But yet, but yet that's the beauty of, um, the way that God designed us to be at function to need people, um, because other people need people too. And there's these other relationships that can step in, in this family of God, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that can step in and, and not only, meet your relational nutrients now, but even heal the wounds from family of origin um, that happened mm-hmm. developmentally, uh, which is just, yeah, such a grace and um, so powerful. Yeah. And I love that integrated view of not having to say, well, they're unsafe or they are, um, 
I'm not going to them for anything, but just right. even to recognize maybe there's a period of time where mm-hmm. I do have to de- develop my own separateness, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that I'm throwing that relationship away or that it's never yeah. going to be safe. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I've been fortunate to have some of that. I, I, I hesitate to even boast that too much because often that's not the case. Unfortunately, um, mm-hmm. there are, you know, some, many families, many clients I've served that um, counseling or coaching that um, when they do the work of separation, you know, you do that knowing that you may not ever get that relationship with them that you want to have back um, right. or to, you know, cause they, it's, relationships are hard because there's two people and the other person has to also do the work to grow and be able to respect your boundaries and mm-hmm. you know, all those sorts of things. So, yeah. And w- with what you've just talked about and, and Eve, all of this with relational nutrients, there's so much about ownership of having to take mm-hmm. ownership. And I've, I've seen a lot on Facebook or other places, people, uh, a saying that says like, the trauma was not your fault, but the healing is your responsibility. Mm, and it kind yeah. of speaks to that part of it that it feels like, or to, to listeners who, um, this is a new concept for them. It might mm-hmm. feel like, oh my gosh, this is so much work that I have to do. It is, <laughs> And even like figuring out who to go to for yeah. what, what do I need? Who am I going to yeah. go to for it? Yeah. It feels like a lot of effort and it is, yeah. especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It is, but it's worth it. Right. It's, and it's what we're meant to own. Oh my goodness. And when you start to taste that, you're like, oh my gosh, that's so good. I need more of it. Um, I, I think I've always been kind of relationally oriented. I was in the middle of seven children. I went to, um, college and loved living on campus. I was an RA and, you know, just all the relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, but really it wasn't until I had a, um, it was a few years into marriage, had my first baby. I joined a group, um, much like the one that you're in the Townsville leadership program. Um, but this was all women, um, happened to be all local women. They were all women in my church that were leaders. Um, and gosh, that, that experience of being with, um, eight other strong, um, Christian women who, were also broken and vulnerable and join me in depths that I wouldn't have ever thought even appropriate to share with people, mm-hmm. um, you know, outside of my husband, it was transformational. I, I, like it's wrecked me for superficial relationships since I can't do it. Um, and so I'm like, you know, I almost like cringe when I'm in a, a Bible study or in a um, <laughs> small group that, that they can't go deeper. They're not authentic. Cause I'm like, Oh, what is the point of this? You know? Um, but really, you know, they just haven't, they haven't tasted that yet. And so in those situations, I'm like always the one pushing the envelope, being a little bit more vulnerable, kind of testing people to see if we can go deeper. Um, but I will, forevermore have a group of, of close people that are that that level of depth that they can handle the raw without trying to fix it um, mm-hmm. that they can accept me in the depths of my brokenness like once you've experienced that gosh it, it is just so freeing and healing um, that that you don't want to <laughs> you don't ever want to go back I mean I, I don't know if that's been your experience and um, yeah the work you've done yeah, definitely. Because you see the benefit 
of it yeah, and that it's worth the work. It is mm-hmm. really worth the effort to, to do that. Just um, yesterday, I reached out to our group through a text mm-hmm. message to say, oh, I'm having such a hard time right now. I had a, a client that I thought was going to be a really good situation and it yeah. fell through and it just left yeah. me questioning all the things. I think I even put in there, like, maybe I should yeah. just go work at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> you did. And of course, like intellectually, I know I'm not going to go work at Starbucks, but in those moments, you just feel so low and it, it was so good to, to reach out, to know, I don't have to perfectly word this text message. I don't have to present a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, and people are going to accept me where I am and I'm going to get relational nutrients back through texts and some people contacting me on Marco Polo to record some messages Mm -hmm. for me. And so it like, there's nothing like it once you've experienced it. Yeah. I wonder if like, um, could you speak to what those nutrients were that you got um, through those Marcos Mm -hmm. and through those text messages that helped you to kind of metabolize and move forward? Yeah. So I, I specifically, when I sent the text, I was trying to think what, what is it that I need? Mm -hmm. So I think I did put in there. I, I really need some, I think I asked for affirmation Mm -hmm. and I can't remember if it was like attunement or acceptance. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and I got that at some people, Well, I wonder, I can even like look back and see what the responses were because I feel like that's helpful sometimes. Um, If you don't have a framework for what this sounds Mm -hmm. like, it's really hard to imagine what those responses could be. Um, Yeah. I asked for attunement and affirmation. And um, so someone responded back and said, Hey, Aaron, I so get those feelings. I can be on top and then something happens that takes the wind out of my sails and makes me second guess myself. I do get that. Mm -hmm. I see you. I believe in you. Mm -hmm. And so that's not even like a notification. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not a huge, it's not a pep talk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not solving my problems. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is just that even that acceptance of like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that really stinks to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else said that state of feeling so strong and swinging to feeling so unsteady. So, so the idea mm-hmm. of I'm in a strong place and now here's this gut punch where I'm feeling unsteady. And, um, mm-hmm. he said, you are such a rock star. I'm with Lisa. I believe in yeah. you. Mm-hmm. So those are just, I mean, there were more responses yeah. than that, but I think, um, yeah even in a, you know, a two sentence text message, you can really (laughs) convey so much. Yeah. And I love that you, I love that example because you, you shared all the things you were feeling. And then at the end you said, I could really use some, what was it? Affirmation and attunement. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just point blank saying what you need. Um, I love that. I've got um, my husband is developing friendships with this kind of new group of people that we've hung out with more superficially for the last year or so, but he's needing more depth. He's experienced this level of depth before, and he's like trying to cultivate the depth in these relationships. And so I'm running um, with his wife and he had reached out to the, the this group of two men who, you know, kind of newer relationships and asked for, um, I think he asked for validation or something. Um, 
in this text message. And I'm sure they like were like, what the heck? And they probably like Googled, what does validate? <laughs> what do you, like, what do you, what is, what is What do this? I do with this? Um, yeah. But I just love it because it's, um, I mean, even as you're doing that, you're teaching other people you're in relationship with that, that this is an appropriate thing to do, to ask, to identify what you're feeling, right? Because that's kind of the first step. And then to ask for what you need in that um, is so powerful. And, yeah. and it really just, it's catchy. Like other people start doing the same. They're like, oh, that was helpful for you. Like, maybe I could do that, you know? Right. Right. Maybe it is. It you, does yeah. catch on when you when you model it for others and we, when you start yeah. to experience it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I want to um, transition into, and we've kind of danced around this a little bit or talked about it is having a life team. So this mm-hmm. idea of <laughs> intentionally building relationships for, with safe people that mm-hmm. um, become this, like your go-to people. I've, I've heard some people yeah. refer to it as your ride or die team. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that, about what, what is a life team and what role does that play for you in your life? Yeah. Oh, it always plays a significant role. Um, my life teams always look different though. I mean, I think I go through seasons where there are different people. Um, obviously my husband is a constant. My, my one sister is a constant that we've been close, super close forever. Um, but it, it kind of, um, has changed over the years when I, when I joined that, um, that group that, you know, is kind of like TLP, um, back then that group, uh, was supposed to be a year long group. And then it was gonna be a two long, two year long group. And then it went on for eight more years, I think, <laughs> um, where we were meeting once a month. Cause at that point we're like, we've already told everybody all the things like we're already so connected. We got to keep this mm-hmm. going. So we really like rung it for all it was worth <laughs> until people started moving away. Um, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing that, you know, that was the group, um, and I'm still connected with some of those people, but they're not like, you know, the constant text thread that's happening. Um, and so for me, it, yeah, season. So it, uh, that was like a good solid 10 year season where those were, those were my people. Um, and they were already safe, you know, they kind of been vetted, they could do the things. And, and when the one just told me all I needed was Jesus, I could call her out on that and say, that's actually not what's helpful now. <laughs> you know? So um, there was right. that level of um, safety, familiarity. Um, all of that. So I love the reminder about seasons. And even though uh, your life team relationships are really deep relationships, they might not last forever, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad. Yeah. But yet yeah. it reminds me of um, Henry Cloud's book, Necessary Endings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that just happens. Those those relationships yeah. serve their their purpose in your life. And then you need different relationships to yeah. fill different needs. Is that what you found? Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's, there's some that I've like held on to over the years, but there's also just this, once you've done this deeper kind of work where you're, um, you're able to be raw and vulnerable with people and let them meet your need, you do crave it. And so you'll definitely feel the void if there is a necessary ending and there's not something else to replace. So so then you got to get tenacious about figuring out who those people can be. And so, um, I mean, a season currently where those people for me, um, my life team is all over the country. And so we're on, um, you know, zoom right now, it's every Sunday evening, we're moving into a more formal, like four hours, once a month where 
we can kind of make our own little mini TLP um, kind of situation happen. Um, but it is where, yeah, so um, it's cultivating, figuring out who's safe. And then it, it, I found that it really doesn't matter um, if they're close to you in proximity or not. I've got um, some friends that I'm fortunate are um, kind of closer to me that can hold those, those spaces. Um, but many of them are, you know, states away. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just about intentionality of building that sometimes being as, um, as intentional as saying, like, I need, I need to develop my life team. Would you be part of my life team? I'm part of somebody's life team where he calls it his life team, but it's really, I'm meeting with him once a month with just him. So I feel a certain need for him. Um, that's different than other people on his life team. So that's not a group that's all together in the same spot as a life team, although that can be the case. Um, you know, so that's him kind of figuring out what he needs and getting that from, from different safe people in his life. Um, we went through seasons where we had little kids and it was really hard for us to get away or to have extra time. And so we started a supper club and we would have um, people that could go deep coming over, sharing a meal together. And then we'd always have one kind of deeper question um, that we're asking at the dinner table once the kids have kind of left and gone to play, um, you know, and so it, it's that was much less kind of structured than like a TLP or um, even what I'm cultivating with my, my people right now. Um, mm. But yeah, so different seasons, different, it, it looks different. Um, you know, whether it's a Bible study or you're reading once a month or it's virtual or it's even one-on-ones um, it's just important to, to have those people that you can have, you know, I, I think I've got probably 10 people that at the drop of a hat, I could be like, I can call them sobbing or angry <laughs> or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're going to answer, not be put off by it and be able to meet me there. And so um, the deeper you bench, the better, <laughs> because not right. everybody is always available. And right. so having, having a deeper bench is good to be able to, okay, that person wasn't available. I'm going to reach out here. That person wasn't available and reach out here so that you're not left um, without a way to get your need met. Yeah. And I love those practical tips for, um, you do have to be intentional about creating this team of people and creating these relationships. So mm -hmm. figuring out, um, it seems like you probably dip your toe in the water a little bit with like casual mm -hmm. conversations mm -hmm. with people. And then mm -hmm. you think, oh, here are some people I want to try yeah. going deeper with. Mm -hmm. And then I love that example yeah. of how you had a supper club and you just created your own deep question mm -hmm. to see yeah. it's kind of like who can swim here in the deep end with us yeah. yeah 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 and some people in that supper club would go deeper and like spouses of those people might stay more shallow and so people could engage as they did um but it, it yeah, certainly was um was beneficial for us in that season mm -hmm. yeah and um on the last episode Lisa was my guest and we talked a mm -hmm. little bit about times when you pay for structure and you pay for yeah. life team members, so to speak, mm -hmm. with a coach or a therapist or yeah. with something formal like the Townsend Leadership Program um, that is a way mm -hmm. of creating structure, creating these relationships. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And it's still it still counts if you pay for it. It hundred percent counts if you pay for it. And it's usually even more beneficial because you have a facilitator mm -hmm. helping to ensure that these people are safe and um, helping you navigate when, you know, things are messy because humans mm -hmm. are messy. And so, yeah, absolutely counts. And uh, yeah, I often pay for, well, I always pay for it. Right. So there's a, there's my, <laughs> right. my life team that I'm in right now, but I'm always in some type of process group, um, at least on a monthly basis, because there's things that I, 
um, you know, sometimes you get familiar enough with your life team, with your people that they're so for you that they're not giving you crucial feedback either. Mm, and so, right. um, so I pay for that. <laughs> I pay for right. crucial feedback where I can um, have honesty, get those affirmations and challenges and, and be pushed toward growth. Whereas, you know, some of my life people, not the group that I'm currently in, but in the past, there's been ones that are like, they're great. And so for me, but um, maybe won't challenge me um, mm-hmm. to grow further or, give me that, um, critical feedback sometimes that I need, uh, that constructive feedback. So yeah, yeah certainly counts. I, I recommend having all of it. <laughs> yeah. Coach. Yeah. I've never and regretted and the group. <laughs> and the <laughs> all the things. Yeah. Yeah. I've never regretted money that I've invested in myself mm-hmm. through therapy yeah. or coaching or a group or whatever. There's no money better spent than an investment in yourself that trickles out and gets to bless everyone else in your life too. Right. You know, it's really yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love that. Well, we could probably talk for another hour mm-hmm. <laughs> about <traditional> nutrients, <laughs> sure. all the things, um, but we yeah. will bring it to a close here. And yeah. I'm just so grateful for you coming on Madeline to talk about all this and to share your mm-hmm. thoughts, your experiences about yeah. relational nutrients. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Such an important topic. Um, we need that fuel like, uh, at Compass Rose Academy, one of the places I, um, did my toe in and work, we have a saying that is, um, in relationship with God and others, you're never left without a way to meet life's demands. Oh, um, I love that. And so it is, you know, the trials are going to come, the hard times are going to come, failures are going to come, losses are going to come. But in relationship, you will have what you need um, to get through those seasons. And the, the last thing maybe I'll say is that um, you need to keep going back to them and keep getting mm. the nutrients. You know, if we, we talk about people fuel, you don't, you don't fill up your gas tank once and then you're good to go and then shame yourself if you run out of gas, right? You're stopping yeah. regularly as you need it, coming back. Um, or liken it to a vitamin, you don't take a vitamin Mm -hmm. one time, and then you're done taking vitamins, it's done its job, like, they are ongoing Mm -hmm. needs, they just are, Um, we are needy, we are weak and needy, and we need other people, and it's a beautiful thing. Right, and we don't shame ourselves for needing to eat, you know, two or three meals a day, or however many, you know, some people might eat six meals, six small meals a day, or whatever, but we don't shame ourselves for being hungry, And in the same way, we don't need to shame ourselves for needing nutrients. That's a really, it's a really great reminder. We need the fuel. Yeah. Well, thank you, Madeline. And I'm sure my listeners, thank you for the wisdom you shared with us today. You're so welcome. Yeah. I'll have to have you on again sometime. I'd love to. All right. Thanks, Erin. I'm so grateful to Madeline for joining me today for this conversation. One aha moment I'm personally walking away with is acceptance for letting some relationships fade as needed over time as I walk through different seasons of life. I hope you walked away with at least one of your own aha moments and at least one practical way you can continue practicing getting fuel from relationships. As a reminder, if you need a guide for your own personal growth journey, visit personalgrowthsucks.com to find out more about working with me one-on-one. I'd love to connect with you on a free introductory call to learn more about how I can help and to see if I'm a good fit for your needs. You won't regret investing in yourself. 
If you'd like to connect with me further, you can email me at Erin, E-R-I-N, at personalgrowthsucks.com or follow me at personalgrowthsucks on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. In two weeks, I'm going to wrap up season one of the podcast with a conversation with my friend, Emily. We're going to look back over all the episodes, give a recap on some of them, and I'll have a chance to answer any questions that she might have about the topic. If you have questions, I'd love to answer those too. Please reach out to me at Erin at personalgrowthsucks.com if you have a question you'd like me to answer. Until next time, remember that personal growth sucks, but together we can cultivate the courage to grow. Let's keep leaning in together.